Um, like the Type 4 Chi yeah, medium tanks that engage Godzilla. What's like that? The Type 4 Chi 2 medium tanks that engage Godzilla. That's on the Wikipedia page. The type of tank they used. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't need to get No, that but I just, I deep, know there's someone you know. that got, like, super into it now that I know that, like, they used an actual tank. <laughs> yeah. Like, the guy's like, okay, I also don't really just tell you all this shit about the tank. He's like, so in the Tank Girl anime, this is used by this team in these episodes. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Brad Guy and His Super Friends. It's your host, Mike Bradley, and joining me is the living nuclear weapon destined to walk the Earth forever, the indestructible Ian Lydic. I feel it in my bones! I am here. And today we're doing something a little different than usual. We're bringing you a short and sweet review of a new hit film. What film is that? Well, we're here to talk about Godzilla Minus One. It's out there. It's breaking all kinds of records for foreign language films. It, if you haven't heard how good this movie is from one of your friends, ask them. They've probably gone out to see it. Uh, this is the 37th installment in the Godzilla franchise. That's a lot of movies. That's almost as much as the MCU, maybe. I it, Or thereabouts. It's pretty close. Yeah, only what, um, like a 40-year difference? <laughs> yeah. It, something like that. 50, actually. Oh, 50-some and change. Um, and uh, this movie, Godzilla Minus One, directed and written by Takashi Yamazaki. Starring Minami Hamabe, Ryanosuke Kamiki, Sakura Ando, and Kuranosuke Sasaki, who was my personal favorite. Um, so what kind of records is this breaking? Do you have any guesstimates on how many records it's broken, actually, so far? See, the only thing... Did you look this up? Did you... I, mean, I you did. Know already? I, well, I just know, like, for this year, I think it's the highest... For, this year, it's the highest foreign language film, which I guess isn't a record, but I... I feel like it set something for opening day did it did it not yes so i'll run through um quickly uh what we have as far as records as of today the box office total worldwide is 52.2 million dollars 25.5 of that is domestic and the rest international just to Uh, clarify domestic means like u.s not domestic as in japan okay yes that is u.s domestic that doesn't sound terribly impressive, but you must consider this movie had a budget of just $15 million. So, with a small budget, that's impressive. It's also a foreign language film. This is not available as a, as a dub anywhere. This is subtitled in Japanese. And that's where a lot of the records come from. Because Americans don't 
tend to see those movies very often in theaters. So, biggest foreign language film opening for 2023, and the second highest debut for any foreign language film ever in the United States. Second only to a movie that I did not recognize that came out in 2024, or 2004, rather. It is the largest domestic debut for a live-action Japanese film ever. It is the first live-action foreign-language film to be number one at the box office, also since 2004. So that's 20 years since we had a foreign-language film of any sort number one at the box office. It is the only Japanese film ever to be number one at the box office. And it holds the record for the single biggest day of domestic box office for any foreign language live action film ever at $4.7 million uh, that it had on its opening day, which was last Friday, uh, the 5th. Or actually, not last Friday, that would be last Tuesday, the 5th, uh, was its first day in theaters. And there was a few other records that had been listed out that I saw that sounded rather ticky-tacky, <laughs> as in way too specific. Yes on uh, claiming things as a record. Um, but saying, you know, Japanese film, foreign language film, stuff like that, I get, you know, why that is significant here in our nation. We don't do these movies a whole lot. Uh, even Shin Godzilla never popped up anywhere, and that was one hell of a movie. And it was also tough to find showtimes for Godzilla Minus One. They extended its run at the theater. Um, they actually had to extend its run, which... As of this recording, you could still go out and see it, but by the time this actually gets to your ears, they will have to have extended it again if you're going to be able to see it in the theater because they dece- when they extended it, it went to December 14th. They've extended uh, was it again. The... Already. Oh, they have already extended yeah, it again? I don't remember to when to win, but they also said that uh, as long as people keep going to see it, they'll keep extending it. So there Excellent. is a chance get by the time you hear this. this that you might be able to see it. If not, I probably on max like in a couple months yeah at some point it'll definitely turn up there when i don't know the turnover rate for foreign language films for them um i know it's usually about two and a half to three and a half months for you know like domestic movies that they make something else that i wanted to note uh before we get into anything we think about the film this movie has already been nominated for an oscar now if I have you looked this up, no, I, that's news to me. Which Oscar do you think this has been nominated for? One. It has one nomination. That's it. As as of right now, it may. I guess they can adjust since they usually take place sometime in March. Yeah. I guess so. They, I'm sure they can adjust I'm the s- list. Whatever. I'm guessing like special effects. That's correct. Actually, Be- best visual effects is the category that it is nominated for, and that's on a 15 million dollar budget. Now. For context, the other four films nominated in that category, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna get into which movies it was, <laughs> but their average budget was $143.5 million yeah. for the other four films on average in that category. That's almost ten times the budget of Godzilla Minus One. That's saying a yeah, that's lot. Kind of absurd, honestly. And I'm not sure if it's saying what the hell is Hollywood doing with all the money? Like, <laughs> where's it going? Because 
you know, we we can get into our opinions about the film in a moment here, but let me just be the one to tell you, this movie's visual effects obviously hold up. It's getting an Oscar nomination for them. This movie holds up visually to anything that you might have seen. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, we have a lot of legendary films with Godzilla and Kong in the last few years, and for the first few of them, I remember everybody's complaints were what? It's always dark when Godzilla's around. This movie doesn't show Godzilla in dark ever, except, well, no, the first time you see Godzilla is dark. Other than that, it is broad daylight, and you can see everything happening. It is They are not hiding behind darkness. There's a lot to be said for what they accomplished here on such a small budget. Now I want to get into our opinions, uh, kind of spoiler-free discussion uh, about the movie. To start that off, I'm going to let you know. Critics and audiences actually agree on Rotten Tomatoes. Shocker. Doesn't always happen. Uh, critics coming in at 97% and the audience at 98%. Um, that is very easily among the year's top-rated films. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What? Where would you put this? You know, we'll get to our ratings at the end, but, you know, how how much do you agree I, or disagree I, with the audience? And... I really agree. I mean, it's it's... One of the best films I've seen. I wouldn't say it's the best film I've seen this year. It's it's in my top three. I, mean, I haven't seen that many films. That's why I'm never on the uh, top tens. But <laughs> the ones I've seen this year, like, you know, I think it's up there with Oppenheimer as, like, the best film I've seen this year. And they're radically different films. And I think it could be somehow it's, similar. I, I mean, they... I there's, haven't seen Oppenheimer, but they both involve, you know. There's a non-zero chance they 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 share some historical footage. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, one's about building the bomb, and the others, you know, Godzilla's always been known to be the result of the bomb. I mean, so. they they do show something that takes place like later on in Oppenheimer. The bikini atoll testing does come up, so if you know your history, yeah. that's where SpongeBob lives. Yes, exactly. So yeah, there's a chance um, there's overlap, but I think like they're both really great films that that do the visual effects in wildly different ways and for different reasons. But this movie is kind of like two movies in one. I think we'll get into that more in the spoilers section. But like, there's the human feature, absolutely. and then there's the creature feature, and they both then meld into one terrific film, which I it's so well done. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not going to get into where I rank it in terms of movies this year because I know we're going to record that podcast and I will be on it because I have seen more than enough movies this year to be there. Um, and I don't want to, it, it will be on my top 10 list. That's the most of the spoilers that I want to give. What I will say, uh, I absolutely agree. This is a fantastic film. I can just off the cuff tell you this is the best Godzilla movie I've ever seen. All around, there is everything that you want out of... Everything I could want out of a movie is there. You, you have, you know... Again, for those of you listening that don't know, I have a degree in U.S. history. I like history. I like things like that. So this is a World War II era film. or Well, it's about the World War II era. It's not a World War II era film, I guess. That would be a different thing. But... It is a film taking place in the aftermath of World War II. And it takes a look at that era in Japan, and it's a very interesting look. It has a human element. It has a love story. It has a gigantic fucking monster in it. What more could you want out of a movie? So yeah, I'm 100% on board. 
with what critics and audiences are saying about this movie. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, get out there and go see it. And come back and listen to the second half of this podcast where we're going to get into spoilers right after what I'm assuming will be Brian inserting the Andy spoiler alert right here. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, we're back from the spoiler alert. Ian, what's your biggest takeaway? Your biggest thing that you left the theater thinking about this movie? So, I had listened to a six-part podcast about uh, Japan and building up into World War II previously. And uh, one of the things the guy, I think, goes over, because it starts with the Russo-Japanese War, is the Japanese are just like us at this time period, except more so. That There's that Japanese, like, they're just like us, but more so in, like, I think they get at it with the kamikaze pilot thing. Like, the whole Japanese war strategy, everyone was bought into this. Everyone was going to fight to the last man. We came up, we used the atomic bomb because we didn't know we would, they were worried we would spend more American lives taking Japan than it had been lost in the whole war so far. So there's that element of like how seriously they take it and how much cowardice, um, our main character is accused of and feels from not killing himself. And at the point of the war where if you're involved in the war, you know you're not winning. Japan knows they've lost. They know they're only at this point fighting to make it really tough. To take to take them out of the war because they're hoping to not have to surrender the emperor. And I thought they did an excellent job of establishing those just not the stakes, but like all of the characters feeling that. No one originally treats um her main character is uh Shikishima, I believe. Is it is that it? Shik Shikishima. Yeah, Ko- Koichi Shikishima. Shikishima. I'm never gonna pronounce that. I gotta listen to the movie again. And like, you know, he he. Feels awful himself when he shows up at that military base at the beginning. Everyone but one guy kind of treats him like shit because they know what he's a coward. Um, when he gets back to Japan, his neighbor treats him like a coward and says it's his fault they lost the war. Even though they literally got nuked twice. And Tokyo's been burning for six months, I think, at that point. And, like, it's, it's, it's that whole thing. And then, like, his PTSD, his, um, fake wife saying, is your war finally over? Or is your war, you know, he says, my war's not over. You know, and he's just still in that. And it's like four or five years after World War II ended and he's still there. And it just brings you back to like thinking about Vietnam and stuff from our time. Like we had a lot of that too with veterans coming back. And I think that was one of the most important things for me from the film was the a modern Japanese feeling of how they think that war was for them now. And still trying to heal from it as the only nation on this planet that's been attacked with atomic weapons. And... I did an excellent job, I think, in a fucking Godzilla movie, establishing that, you know? Yeah, and, you know, my takeaway is very similar and can build upon that. Because as a nation, that's what Japan was going through. And the other thing they were able to capture in this about the main character, Shikishima, um, is he is not just a... Someone He views himself as a failure. He views what, you know, not killing himself as a kamikaze pilot as his failure. And it's about him and his story is about coming to terms with your own failures so that you can actually live again. It's coming to a point where you say, okay, I've done these terrible things that... You know, again, 
he didn't do anything wrong. Let me just be clear when we say this. This is, you know, at the same time as being a story about him overcoming what he views as his failures, it's also a story about the fact that they weren't failures. It's a very human story showing that, you know, what was expected of him by the Japanese military was so barbaric and inhumane. And they do a good job of portraying that, where, you know, they talk about they didn't have ejection seats in any of their planes. And that's a, a true bit of history, is because they didn't want them to cower out of it. And it was just one of those things where kamikaze pilots, it was never necessary. It never was actually necessary to do that. They could have built torpedoes, but instead they chose to use humans and planes as torpedoes. It, it may, or missiles, whatever. I, I don't, I don't military. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things they could have used different methods and they chose not to develop them and just send young men to die to sink a ship, to attack a place, to any, it, it just, it was very horrible. So he's coming to terms with essentially having re, like, ignored the brainwashing that it would take to get somebody to be a pilot that would kill themselves to just in war like that. And, you know, throughout this whole thing, there's the love story going on between him and this woman he meets and the child, and he's not letting himself love her this whole time. He's preventing it because he can't respect himself. He has no respect for himself, and so he doesn't feel like he's worthy or deserving of love from anybody else. And he goes through this whole arc, and you realize, wait a fucking, I'm watching a Godzilla movie, what the fuck's going on? Why is this? And then you realize, like, this is a fucking good movie without Godzilla in it. His arc of realizing that, man, you know, I have to overcome... Godzilla, which essentially Godzilla, in my own mind, I don't know if this is what the director intended. I haven't seen any quotes about it. Godzilla's really just kind of a metaphor for his own guilt and grief and mental illness and all all these different things you could attach to it that he has to let go of so that he can get to the place of having a family again. And that's way more of a powerful message than I've ever expected out of any kaiju movie that you would ever see. And it's told incredibly well. You know, like, the Godzilla parts of this movie where Godzilla's around are cool, but the compelling part of this movie is the human story. It's why it's good, for reasons you wouldn't expect. And I think there's a lot to that. But also, there's Godzilla. So... Yes, this is a, it's a good war movie, it's a good love story, it's a good coming-of-age, mental health-positive kind of story, start to finish. And it's the type of movie that, if you're the type to have a tear jerked at the end of a film, might jerk a few out of you. I've never been that sort, but it comes close. 
So anything else you would like to say about, like, the general human plot and whatnot, and then we're going to kind of dive into the monster part. I think to just kind of build on what you said is Godzilla as a metaphor for his own trauma. I think you can expand that for him. Yeah, it's that personal. But then Godzilla kind of just represents that trauma for the nation of Japan in this film. Not just the horrors of the atomic bomb, but uh, they bring it up, the naval guys near the end, like the callous disregard the government had for their lives. It's them all finally getting over it and ending the war on like kind of a happy note almost, you know? Like almost like saying, fucking, we finally did it, guys. We, we survived. It's about a story of, it's about hope, I think is what they get at at the end. It's not about doing everything you can, including sacrificing your own life to prevent something. It's doing everything you can to survive to build something new. And I think that's what they try yes. and send the message as which I really liked, and I, I I think that was great. I think also the one other part of the human story I like with um, uh, Shishikama, when he gets, like, really upset when Noriko, the lady he's supporting, gets her own job, and he, again, it makes him feel like a failure, that he's not doing enough to support mm-hmm. her, and it's just, like, another stab on his, like, psyche, and I thought that was just... She's like, okay, he's not committing to me, so I need to do something. But he thinks it's an attack, again, on his, like, masculinity almost. Again, but, you know, it's more of her, like, not sure how to heal him. And he's like, oh, these people keep attacking me still. Which I I like that, you know, they added some conflict there, too, just to bring that up. Yeah, and and I think they also did a really good job in that meeting you're talking about. They Mm -hmm. gather up and they're trying to gather a bunch of citizens because, you know, most of this film takes part in a rebuilding Tokyo that's rubble, essentially. You know, it's, so there's not really government structure pushing and pulling things, making, you know, the wheels turn at and this point. they're occupied by us at the time. <laughs> well, well, right, but, you know, I mean, it's not... Because that comes up that it, Douglas MacArthur much... is not letting them use, like, their military to fight Godzilla. Like, that's a plot point. Yes. That MacArthur's still fucking Japan. <laughs> yes. But but it also makes a very good point in that moment when they say, like, we don't need the government. Mm-hmm. We need the people. We don't need this, you know, the people that would tell us to fly planes mm-hmm. and kill ourselves into things. And they make a very poignant statement about saying, we're not going to sacrifice any lives to do this. We're going to do this mm-hmm. the right way. And I think that was a really good way of going about it. And it actually kind of segues into one of the things I wanted to talk about about Godzilla is because these movies always have a planning stage. Godzilla movies, you have opening incidents, first sightings, first destruction, and they have a planning stage. You know, there's always that scientific meeting about what are we going to do about Godzilla? And their plan to take out Godzilla for the end of this movie was fucking cool. It was awesome. Like, the weird, I was like, the fuck are you getting? Wait, what? Like, it was just absurd. Like, it, it was kind of like an anime plot. We're gonna fucking sink this dude with Freon. Like, <laughs> but it's scientifically sound. That, like, that's the whole no, thing. Is it's that like, needing when it, it technically would work. And then if it doesn't kill him, we're going to give him the bends by lifting him up too is soon. Is that planning meeting where he's literally like, okay, see this wooden thing, how it floats? And everyone's like, yeah, it's going to fucking float, dumbass. And he's like, that's what you think. And then it sinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, he could have been like, that's Oppenheimer, it, it, bitch. Like, <laughs> Science. 
But yeah, they, they used valid science, and uh, like I think that part of it was cool. Yeah, I didn't want to. Um, in my head, I was like, I was like, would this would this be enough to sink a twenty, forty, fifty ton creature? No, nope, done thinking about it. So let's go. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know that that's a good question. Yeah. I all my my question was more along the lines of like, is that actually deep enough? Yeah, because. You know, it is an aquatic creature, but it's not built for that kind of depth. But, you know, the trench they were talking about wasn't that deep mm-hmm. in terms of, like, depths you could try to sink him in. Yeah, that's why, I mean, they tried to do, um, like, that, you know, you get X amount of pressure per whatever meter or something. And I was like, yeah, you guys did enough. We don't need the Futurama this and do the actual science behind it. Right. It doesn't need to be perfect, but it was a cool sure. idea. I, all I've same. never heard of that idea for killing Godzilla. Exactly, and it, I mean, spoilers—not really. You're in the spoiler section. It doesn't work, <laughs> um, because I mean, if that had worked on this Godzilla, I would have been kind of disappointed. Well, all, Especially because like, we never would have gotten a redemption story for the main character. <laughs> well, well, right, and that—that that was really the you know that arc of destroying Godzilla. You know the kamikaze, the failed kamikaze mm-hmm. pilot manages to kamikaze and kill Godzilla without killing himself. Still kamikaze, didn't kill himself. Yes, I know. Technically, there's that scene where Godzilla may not be dead, which definitely isn't dead because they're going to do a sequel. Godzilla at this never point dies. The success of this film. Yeah, Godzilla doesn't die. It's just a thing. But still, he believes Godzilla to be dead. He believes he has just done a proper kamikaze, which. Don't get me wrong, in war really wouldn't work. I mean, what do you do? You know, fly your plane into the ship, parachute out, and then land in the ocean among all the people whose ship you just blew up? Doesn't really I mean, like, turn out great case for scenario, you, you end up a prisoner of war, probably. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It, it, so it's, it doesn't really work no matter what. But at least you'd be a lot. But it, in general, this Godzilla, I love the design. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. They took the best parts of Shin Godzilla and the legend, like the new legendary mm-hmm. Godzilla, and they put them together to kind of form a really fucking cool Godzilla. Oh yeah, he looks fantastic um, in this film. Like especially, like you said, you, they don't hide it with no darkness. Like you see him in the fucking daytime, just you're like, damn, he does look good. Like you're thinking about the budget and shit. Like that's a fucking cool looking giant fucking lizard. Yeah, I mean, even when he's charging up the nuclear, oh, God, yeah attacks and like the spikes on his back Mm -hmm. pop out one by one by one almost too slow like the cut on that was almost like building up for too long because they spent so much time focusing on like no we're not looking away as this happens we're gonna show it and then having the nuclear blast that he did when the first one happened i was Mm -hmm. shook that was just like oh holy shit yeah that's what this godzilla's gonna do whoa because, like, up to that point, you see it, like, physically attack mm-hmm. stuff. You don't see any... There's there's no special Godzilla stuff going on. And then you're like, okay, so what power level is this Godzilla going to be? And then you see that, and you're like, oh, damn. That's a lot of power level. That's, that's significant. He just carries a nuke around <laughs> in his body. And it just recharges. Looked like it took about 10 minutes to recharge or so, I would guess, on mm-hmm. timing. So every 10 minutes or so, you could just fire off a nuke. Very cool. Um, I love the tail usage yes. of knocking stuff over constantly. That's, you know, that's classic Godzilla. Godzilla is meant to have this big, ridiculous tail. 
and I feel like that's something Legendary has played down a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, they've had him use his tail, but, like, the model does not show... It's too big. Yeah, the, the whole the whole monster is too so, yeah, big. Yeah, do it. And the tail is not relatively mm-hmm. sized as large as what usually happens in other Godzilla films. So, seeing that here and watching just whole, you know, city oh, blocks yeah. collapse beneath a swing of the tail was... Like, one cool thing I think they did with it is so when it first shows up at that um, military outpost and he's a much smaller Godzilla, he's focusing a lot more on the individual people and like attacking them and like killing them. But then after he gets bigger from like the bikini atoll test and stuff, and he enters into like to, to Ginza, he's now at that point where he doesn't like humans are so beneath him, he's just fucking rampaging. Like, he's ignoring, a lo- like, the individual people until, like, a bunch of tanks show up. Then he's like, oh, I'm nuking the fuck out of those tanks. And then it's... Yeah, they're annoying yeah. me. And then again, then later on, some, like, a fucking, like, mosquito, basically, in the airplane starts attacking him. He's like, okay, I'll chase that down for a little bit. But, like, for the most part, when he's in the city... I mean, hey, if a bee was spitting at me, I would chase it. When he's in the city, after he levels up, he gets to that point, I think, of, like, actual Godzilla-ness, where he's, the humans are irrelevant to him. He's just, like, fucking shit up because it's in his way. Like, he doesn't care about it. It's just there. Yeah. Like, why is this here? Get out of here. I guess this is one of the first times ever watching a Godzilla film where it was actually disturbing a little bit. Because he was moving so slow. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he could just turn and wipe out a block by swinging his tail around. And but like the pace at which they showed Godzilla move, and the detail of what like when he stepped on the ground, and you saw like the earth start to rupture and then pop up around his feet. Man, they did such a good job with every bit of this version of the monster. Like the the point where they're in, which is also one of the funniest moments in the movie, is when they first see Godzilla and they're in their tiny little mm-hmm. boat, um, and he just absolutely destroys a de- like a destroyer or battleship or something and he just eats it and, the- and they're just like oh never mind yeah, he's literally get out of here it's it's like japan's flagship heavy cruiser from world war ii he destroys it in like four seconds and they're at a fucking wooden like dinghy <laughs> yeah yeah they are in something that you know most of the weight is the motor. and <laughs> It's wooden, and it was a wooden boat because there's a like a plot element mm-hmm. to why they were in a wooden boat um, with the mines and everything. But it led to this really cool chase scene oh, yeah. with Godzilla, which to me is the best scene with Godzilla in the movie in terms of like cool Godzilla ness. You have Godzilla in the water chasing right behind this boat, and they're trying to unload mines that they were decommissioning. And the whole goal is to get one in his mouth and blow it up like fucking Jaws. Which, everybody who knows me knows that's my favorite movie ever. And so we literally get a smile, you son of a bitch moment in Godzilla. You took something I love and put it with something I love and you mashed them together for that moment. They didn't even make note of it, but they did. <laughs> they did. I didn't even think about that So you're bringing it up now. That's literally like that scene. <laughs> It is. Oh. It, they put Jaws in Godzilla, and for me, that was amazing. And you, you had just see, again, he did in say that he moment influence from Jaws. Now that I'm still looking. Okay, so yeah, okay. no, you nailed it. He definitely was right there. That <laughs> the whole chasing, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was probably something along those lines. And you know, in that moment, 
Um, I, I think, like, like I, I told you, Karanosuke Sasaki was my favorite, like, character actor in this movie. He played the ship captain. Yeah. He was the guy that was, like, the captain of that boat. His reactions to those moments were mm-hmm. amazing. He was fucking hilarious to seeing Godzilla for the first time and just being like, Oh no! Yeah, we fucked up. We shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be listening to this. Oh yeah, orders. like he went from like we have to do this. It's our orders. We have to like slow it down. It destroys the cruiser. He's like, oh fuck, let's go. <laughs> yeah, like the, the moment you see Godzilla and he realizes like we're not even like a speck of dust. We can't. Yeah, thing. There's, there's, we <laughs> like, literally could not slow it down if we, no matter what. Yeah, although they did. Yeah. Um they, they used their ingenuity. That's not what they were planning no. to do. That 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 wasn't what the plan was. They were given by the were go- not government, but whoever was giving them the mm. orders to do it. But that was a cool scene. And then seeing like every element of this movie. This is something else I wanted to give them credit for. Plays into like every other element. He's a kamikaze pilot who has to kamikaze Godzilla. He has to figure out along the way that Godzilla can take damage internally, just not externally, so that he knows he can kamikaze into his mouth. So on, so, like, and I'm not going to go through every little detail that connects, but it does, and that is really, really cool. So they did a great job at um, setting that up. Yes, they, and that's why they set up so many things, and it, they paid off pretty much everything. And one of the cool things, uh, like, try to wind us down here a little bit, but there is... One cool thing I wanted to note, the opening sequence where we meet our main character, we meet Godzilla for the first time, that story, or that segment takes place on Odo Island, which is, for Godzilla nerds, you know, that's actually where Godzilla first makes landfall in the very first film is Odo Island. He first encounters Odo Island on his way to Tokyo. That was a really cool throwback to have it be Odo Island, even though like it's the small Godzilla and stuff like that. That was a really cool thing to throw in. I, I like that kind of thing, when they put yeah. in those callbacks to Well, other they even things. kind of reference so. it by saying the locals call it Godzilla, you know. Yeah. Like, he's known, he's known here. <laughs> yeah. And, like, honestly, it's something that may have gone under the radar because the original version of this Godzilla wasn't that big. Yeah. Maybe like a Jurassic Park T-Rex mm-hmm. kind of thing. Maybe a little bigger yeah, than Chris that, but Pratt not can much. handle that. He's going to be in a Godzilla film now. He just cursed it. As Mario. Um, I mean, isn't that kind of Bowser? Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that Gigan? Isn't Bowser just basically yeah. Gigan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so we, we're going to start to wrap up here. Let's get some final thoughts and a rating. And go ahead. Go for it. Uh, like I said, I, I think this is... It's up there. The Shin Godzilla, I think I might still like more because it's about the ineptitude of the modern Japanese government and the whole not wanting to take responsibility for your actions or a action. So and that's kind of what the real terror of Shin Godzilla is the government, not really Godzilla, because they just refuse to do yes. anything. And then this one, it also is kind of an anti-government film because it's about how the government hates, you know, wanted us to kill ourselves. Literally, they never actually say this part, but to protect the emperor. I don't think they mentioned the emperor once in the film, but I might be misremembering that. I, I, 
I think it's more anti-war. Than That's what's like, yeah. No, there's an anti-government message, but it, I do would say this is an anti-war film. Like this, and kind yes. of Oppenheimer is too. We had a couple big anti-war bangers this year about atomics. But yeah, it's a great. It's like a, an anti-war film mixed with a kaiju horror monster film, and it just does such a great job of then blending those two together. And it, you know, the human story, like it really tugs at your heart. And the child actress, they made sure to not let her do too much. They kept it at like, yeah, because she can't act. She can't act for shit. She was maybe two. What two years? I'm just saying that she can't act. That's why I was happy at the end. They don't have her like in the scene at the very, very end. She's cut off when the camera zips in because like she's probably eating grapes or something by then. She's bored. Again, they used an actual two-year-old instead of getting a six-year-old that's clearly not a two-year-old to do it. So I'll give them that yeah. credit. But getting a two-year-old to actually, act. like, act, mm-hmm. good luck. Like, they don't get it. Uh, what, what do you got out of ten? Nine. Nine, yeah. Nine out it's of ten. Great. Um, yeah, everything Ian said, and I would add on that, you know, it's a Godzilla movie, and you might forget that while you're watching it. You know, the the plot about him coming, overcoming his internal struggles to respect himself again. There's a lot there to unpack for a lot of people that can relate to that. And Godzilla, in this case, is used as a plot device more than is just a big monster. And I think that's fantastic. And as far as Godzilla films go, I think I said it earlier, I think this is the best one they've ever made. Um, as I said, it has everything I could possibly want out of a movie. You know, you've got Godzilla, you've got action, you've got, you know, a, a solid family love story kind of thing going that doesn't get too sappy on you. You've got a war film, you've, an anti-war film, you've got a little bit of the people rising up against the government, and, and you've got, man, you've got so many different elements going on, and they're all executed well. I, I'm going to give this a very rare 10 out of 10. It, yeah, no, it's um, deserving. I... I'm already kind of like, I could have gone higher. Yeah, I mean, you can revise it if you want. Stay there, but you can stick with it. I have conviction. You have conviction, that's fair. I'll I'll stick with my 10. And and it'll average out a 9.5 from the official Bry Guy Super Friends show. So, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to uh, give us a follow on social media. Uh, You can follow or subscribe subscribe to keep up with the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon, and hopefully anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hit us up on Facebook, uh, Bry Guy Super Friends, or Facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. And you can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, and any of that stuff there. You can email us at BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com, or check us out on Twitter at BG Super Friends. If we ever do record a live show again, it'll be on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Jedi Guy, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. And that'll be it. On behalf of myself and the indestructible Ian, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.